Welcome to Good Money, everybody. This is the episode where Mark is about to predict what you are wearing while watching this. There's a baby in this house? <laughs> oh, I'm completely thrown off. Um, no, I, I sense cotton. E oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Did you get it right? No, oh, we are talking about prediction. We're talking about prophecy. Last time we talked about magic. Um, and we talked about Aquinas' definition of magic as the separation of cause from effect. Mm. But really, one of the things that he really gets itchy and mad about when it comes to magic is telling the future. Yep. Divination. This is when you uh, turn on the television and you listen to a weatherman who has just slit open a bird and seen that the tiny gallbladder reveals that there will be rain today. As you might expect, Aquinas is fine with the prediction of the future for Christians that is reasonable in the sense of because God's creation is ordered, um, we can know that certain effects are, are come from certain causes. And so, you know, where there is thunder, there's lightning, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, or, or blackening clouds tells you that there is a storm coming right exactly that's better that, <laughs> it's hardly time to make a prediction between the lightning and the thunder. i bet i bet yeah <laughs> um so what's wrong in divination is that it attempts to make predictions right but it is on the basis of something that isn't linked um, in nature not yeah. a cause and effect as we would expect yep um, I would like to argue alongside Mark that money makes us more predictable. Mm. And I would like to say that that does so in a way that is uh, apparent but not real. And then a way that is hidden and real. Groovy. <laughs> so how does money make us more predictable? Well, the first thing that, prob that people probably will think of here is that... Once you have money, which is something that can be used universally, uh, other than say like a watermelon, which can be used for like gifting and eating, mm -hmm. uh, that you would like the more universal good. And so okay. this develops into oh, right, right, right. a so profit motive. Money, a profit motive. Money creates its own, the desire for it. I mean, Kierkegaard talks about this. He's sort of being a little bit mystical, but he says, in the end, all men will come to desire is money mm -hmm. um, because it is uh, exchangeable for anything. Yeah. And it's, it seems like a shell game, right? That we're saying, well, the reason that you become more predictable um, when you use money and when a society uses money is because money becomes the thing that is desired. So anyone who's looking at a money society can always predict that what people will do will ultimately be for the sake of more money rather than less. Yep. You create essentially the framework in which people operate, but you also create the end for which people operate. Yep. Um, and this to me, I mean, I, I make a joke of this because sometimes when I'm pretending that I can do like business meetings or something, I say, okay, our beginning assumption here is that everyone wants more money rather than less. So what should we do? But it's actually true, right? You can actually <laughs> say like, well, if we could put more money here, we would get this result because people definitely want money, right? You think about like, okay, we have to um, take a, a, a neighborhood of people and what we must do is remove them completely, like annihilate their neighborhood so we can put in, I don't know, a pipeline, a highway. Yep. And you say, goodness, 
What powers of prediction could we possibly utilize to find the one thing that will get people to actually move from their community? What could possibly destroy the power of community? But the trick is that you already know the answer. So you go and you give each person the check and you say, you're moving now. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, we live in, in an old Rust Belt where everyone sells their mineral rights to, to the frackers. Oh, man. And you can predict it. I mean, every now and then there's someone that can resist the power of money and say, no, like, I'm going to act on a different principle. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a foolproof thing. But generally, it is true that once you make money the thing, the idol... You can also predict that everyone will probably follow it. Yeah, yeah. There's a second way okay. that I'd like to say that is so. So one thing. So I said that that is that's what I labeled the apparent but not actually real way because okay. I think that once you do have money as a mediator, it does kind of you know stop you to make you think, wow, do I really want to replace this for just anything? I mean, having this universal potential is pretty great. Mm -hmm. And so there is that profit motive. But then there's so much of our society that's just prodigal, that they aren't looking to to be very wealthy, mm -hmm. and that they might say that they do, and maybe they kind of do, but they're habituated towards prodigality of just spending recklessly um, without really the deeper desire to save and to go for for a greater profit um <laughs> but the um and so th there's where i would say is actually a huge subset of the population um and i think the amount of our debt actually speaks to that hmm, because how so insofar as they are trying to accumulate things and you might say that that's part of the profit motive but uh, when I think of profit, I think of excessive funds at the end of an exchange. Sure. And I think that's proper definition of it. Um, and so insofar as you leave the exchange with less money mm -hmm. and that you're worse off financially. And, and so whereas you might, it's more like the accumulation uh, motive or something like that. That's that's okay. something stronger in us. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. People can let us know if that's not true. Um, but I but I think I think that is probably a, a stronger uh, sensation in most people. Yeah. Um, and and do you think that that is more predictable through the fact that it occurs through money? Well, great question. I think that the. Um, the idea that people want to accumulate is it's hard to predict because it's, well, what are they going to spend their money on? And this is the real thing where money does allow for real predictions to be made. Insofar as certain people have a disproportional amount of money, mm -hmm. they are then able to use that on advertising to get people right. to buy certain things. And I think that is where real prediction Lies. Tricky, tricky. That's I mean, a trick that I learned from Andrew Jones. <laughs> it appears one way, but it's actually this way. Well, I mean, but it, it is the case, right, that if you authoritatively and convincingly tell people that they want something, mm -hmm. that you'll probably also be able to predict that they will buy something. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. 
Yeah, no, it's unfortunately very simple in that regard. Yeah, I think so. But it's also the case that people are more predictable that because money provides a mechanism by which they can be predicted. So what I mean is money makes you traceable, right? Like Totally. Yeah. No, say more about that. Well, like even if even if you might say, okay, well, you know, sure, but people live a pretty quotidian existence out there. You can pretty much assume someone's going to wake up and and wash their face and go outside i don't know you could say things like life is sort of predictable isn't it and, and to some extent it is because we live in rhythms and habits and yeah. festival feasts and we go to sleep at night and such <laughs> but the difference is that once everything and from the basic goods on up of um of life are attained through money then all of the the acquisition of life's basic goods all the going through our consumption and and our spending um comes with little receipts yep and what i mean is that it can be known it can it's literally data that is available yeah um whether through the 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 old tax uh forms or whatever <laughs> yeah no i mean just think about i mean you do have a receipt for everything and you are almost taxed for everything where you live is taxed how much you make is taxed when you go to the store you have an extra sales tax in most states um and uh, and and this is all data in a real sense. It tracks where you go, where you live, how you spend your day, um, what you work on, where you work. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all things that uh, allows allow others to see where you are, right? Whereas and what you do. if you were to trade one good for another good between friends, it wouldn't be visible to anyone yeah. outside of a spy looking at you with binoculars. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's also important because the spy would have to see your face. That's true. Whereas if you just, if the state's looking at statistics, see how they're interconnected. Uh-huh. Amazing. Um, then it's impersonal. Sure. And, and you're able to be controlled as, as a mass unit as a result. So I think that traceability is something that allows for greater marketing. I mean, the whole idea of the supply and demand curves is all based upon unique human actions. Uh, you might say that the guy's going to wake up and wash his face, but what soap is he going to use? Mm-hmm. You know, d- it doesn't depend upon just regular supply and demand. The amount spent on marketing two years ago was $130 billion. I mean, that's just an extraordinary rate that shows you that those curves that really don't, those graphs really don't mean much if you don't have the ability to persuade someone of what mm. they're what they should do and also you know with especially with our heightened visual society you know we desire things based upon what we see and i think mem- this mimetic um, desire that rises us up in us is something that modern marketing can act upon more than most things. No, they do it very well. I mean, um, you'll, you've all noticed, I'm sure, that the way advertisements work is by showing you who you want to be and then insinuating that the product achieves it, even if the product doesn't. So it's mm-hmm. like you want to be strong, you want to be healthy, you want to be beautiful. And so it just shows strong, healthy, and beautiful people drinking Mountain Dew. And that's how Mountain Dew is sold. Is that how you get strong, healthy, and beautiful? <laughs> well, that that is I not. Wish. That would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that so, would also be magic. Yeah, the yeah. cause and effect are yeah, divided. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, um, people who use money become more predictable because they are 
eminently more traceable because mm -hmm. money forms the barrier between them and everything that they need to do. And it also provides a connection to human power to look in onto all of their activities mm -hmm. insofar as they are observable through in their transactions. Uh, and then it also makes money itself the supreme object of society. And so you can begin to judge people's actions as always orientating towards that, um, which is why as Jacob mentioned, one of the most radically unpredictable persons is in fact the saint, mm -hmm. right? Like I said, I didn't say this, you know, <laughs> you kind of, there's something predictable about a man with a big stack of money in his pocket, mm -hmm. right? You know, what is he going to do? He's going to spend it on things that he wants, right? Or he's going to save it. So there's a few options, <laughs> but the man with no money, you have no idea. In fact, it's a little alarming. I think sometimes a man with no money, seems dangerous. Yeah. Like maybe he's going to rob you. <laughs> right. But he'll also, because he has no money, need to Never utilize. You're going to rob me, Mark. <laughs> because he has no money, he'll also need to utilize personal relationships. Yeah. Right. Because that, because you need things in this world. You've got to eat. You've got to sleep in with a roof of your head, that sort of thing. So when you don't have money, you actually have to engage in relationships where things have to be worked out. And in those conversations, like new, I mean, that's where real unpredictable things are happening. Gift yeah. is sort of unpredictable in that yeah, regard. Yeah. Um, and if you let loves instead of profit be your drive. Yeah. Who knows what you'll do? Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, yeah. you know, because there's loves are dynamic and diffused, right. I think as well. And so, I mean, I think you're a great example of this, whether or not you're going, you're downtown fixing an old building or trying to get a new festival up and running or whatever it is. It's just like, well, he's doing everything. You know, it's hard to, to well, determine. Yeah. I mean, that, that and ADHD, but I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, um, there's a quote that I think can help guide this discussion a little bit. Because I think what we're sort of focusing in on is that money isn't a neutral tool. It actually changes the people who use it in yeah. some particular way. And yeah. it's true that they have these streams of data which can be observed. Mm -hmm. That's important. But it's also true that they're becoming more like something. Yeah, right? that's true. There's a quote. I wish I knew who said it. I know it wasn't me. Okay? <clears throat> that's all I know. And it was, uh, men are never more creative as in their virtues and never as predictable as in their vices. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're getting at is the vicious man, right, is predictable. Whereas the virtuous man is creative in his virtue. Yeah, the the lustful man will search for his porn at night. You can all you can be sure to find him in front of his computer. You can find the greedy man, you know, counting his counting up his mm -hmm. money or being stingy or not taking somebody to dinner or whatever. You know that that person is not going to get the check, you know, at the sure. end of the day or something like that. Right, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. but you don't know necessarily what the chaste man is going to do mm -hmm. because you think about something like chastity. Well, it's it is ownership of your sexuality right yeah. so you you have it in hand yeah right and that is the description of someone that literally could do anything because it's not like you're going to spy him being chased yeah. right <laughs> like that that just means that maybe he's doing anything maybe he's he is not inhibited by slavery to a vice yeah right which would push him in a particular direction instead yeah. he's free yeah and freedom is being able to be your own cause Right. And you can't be your own cause if you are a slave to your passions. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and so the, I mean, the slave is the one who is ultimately the height of predictability because what, what you're really asking when you ask, what will the slave do is what is he commanded to do? 
yeah. which is always something that's available to your observation. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So money really becomes its the, the greatest source of predictability in a society insofar as it also converts people to greed. Like insofar as they act for money as their end, um, then yeah, you know what they're going to do. They're yeah. going to, they're going to live very predictable lives. <laughs> so, um, before we get into kind of the, all the practical things that we need to do from, from this lesson, I, um, I'm also kind of curious. I want to toss in this insight of St. Augustine, where he, he asks his congregants in a sermon, have you become money? Hmm. Which is a really interesting question. And it's, and it's one that St. John Chrysostom kind of gets at it as well. And the idea is that once you have so become obsessed with, with money, that you become just as promiscuous as, as it is. Um, you lack an idea. It moves between hands. Oh, I see. It is not steady. It's not... Uh, there's no strong fidelity anywhere. Mm. Um, right. Go but, where the money goes sort of thing. Yeah. And wherever the fads are, mm. so do you, mm-hmm. you know, there's no ownership. You're, you are a slave to that, mm-hmm. to us, to sin. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about being, uh, having ownership of yourself through the virtues, um, that then corresponds to actually having real wealth rather than the representation of it, Mm. which is money. Yeah. And there's greater freedom in ownership, right? Like if you think about someone who owns a plot of land versus someone who rents, right? Because rent is ultimately from another, right? It's also, it's ultimately you're receiving certain commands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a limitation on what you can do. Yeah. What color you can paint your house, right? But when you own, who knows what you'll do? (laughs) <laughs> I hope it's good. <laughs> um, so, so I think that there's a way in which we can talk about um, money and a money economy as leading people to, I mean, we've talked about this before, to, to less and less ownership. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a less of an ownership society and more of a rent society. Mm-hmm. Um, and insofar as everyone is renting, they're also more predictable. One example that seems to help me. but we're trying to make the case here in yeah. part just to interrupt slightly that um that those two things are not unrelated that no, the, no, the, no. the the being the slave to the passions and being uh and being in a renter money economy are intricately related like one habitu habituates you to the other i mean yeah. you know habitus they're dispositions that right. develop in part by habits yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off. Well, I have this may be a helpful example. So, so you think about a human being on his feet, and you don't necessarily know where he's going to walk within God's creation because he's free. Hmm. He can walk left, he can walk right, he can jump in place, mm. as I often do. But a human being in a car, right, is very similar to a human being with money because now he enters into a world in which only so many choices are available to him. Mm-hmm. And which is paradoxical because just like the way that money gives you the sense of freedom, right? A car gives you the sense of freedom. Oh, I get yeah. to drive. Yeah. Right. But in both cases, it's freedom of access to a man-made world, right? 
So the car gives me access to the highway system. Yeah. And the money gives me access to all those things that can be bought. Mm-hmm. So it's paradoxical because it's a freedom that really, when you uncover it, is a negation of freedom. Because it's only a freedom of access within a world which is not itself God's creation. Yeah. It's a world with rules. And so there's really nothing, there's, there's no better way to predict a person's movement than to put them in a car. Yeah. Because then you've got your traffic lights, you've got your rules, you've got your don't, don't turn left yeah. on, on this particular, <laughs> I don't know how to drive clearly. <laughs> um, just making it up. It's your speed <laughs> limits, right? You have a, a world, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not saying this is bad in itself. This is always very important to clarify. Yep. There's nothing bad in itself about operating within the man-made world. But the mm-hmm. idea that um, the idea that providing the, the idea that this is true freedom is where it becomes troublesome. Yep. And I think the analogy is helpful because when you look at money, it does feel like freedom. Like, oh, if I have more money, then I will have more power and therefore I'll, I'll be more free. I'll be less predictable. I'll yeah. be like a loose cannon. I'll do anything. I'll buy a yacht. But it's always a yacht. And that's the point is that when you really do make money your goal, what you're really doing is increasing your access into a world with predefined options, mm-hmm. right? All those things that can be purchased with money. Yeah. Right. But when you make love your goal, so when you make community your goal, when you make really in the end the worship of God your goal, um, it doesn't experience that same limitation because what is unavailable to the holy Christian in terms of mm-hmm. how to love? Nothing but sin. Yeah. And that's a lot. That's actually everything. That is actually <laughs> everything. Yeah. I, one last thing, and I th- we might have mentioned this as well. Maybe Andrew's mentioned it at some point. I can't remember. But um, people are driven by love fundamentally. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and the fact that Every single business leadership book says, you know, you got to motivate your people because just saying, hey, we're going to make a lot of money off of this is not a good enough factor. Mm -hmm. Suggests that there is something real that people orient their love toward. Um, And so, but we don't hear that enough in our society. And so I think one of the first practical things moving on to that is to um, be aware again of what your being oriented to by others influence and by uh by the kingdom of heaven's influence Mm -hmm. by the world's influence by the kingdom of heaven's influence i'd say another thing is uh to toss out a second kind of practical point is uh don't be predictable um don't just follow into the money economy always using it um because that traceability renders you more likely to be habituated into vice rather than virtue mm-hmm. uh, to be following blindly rather than following vigilantly being able to see the cause and effects um, in things as well yeah that's another that's another important thing is that because we have created a society of extreme predictability precisely by limiting society in a certain respect um, certain men appear as gods when they don't need to so what I mean by that is the people who have the money to do the marketing, the people that have the position and the money to do the investing, right, utilize our predictability, a predictability of our actions and the manipulability of our desires for their own profit. And so that critique of magic that we're really involved in um, becomes very clear when we, we need to stop looking at the rich, the innovators, as it were, as 
having some kind of different nature mm-hmm. than everyone else, um, being bound by different rules almost. When it, what we're really doing when we do that is imagining somehow that they know more about us because of who they are rather than because of the money economy itself. Um, it's yeah. Yeah. Anything else? All right. See, no human gods be less predictable. Um, Hmm. Get Uh, get rid of your horoscopes. (laughs) Horoscopes are not good. I don't care what you think. (laughs) They're not fun. Anyways, I think anyways, these are last, the money and magic podcast was primarily saying don't avail yourself to demons. This one, I think we're saying don't avail yourself unnecessarily to men um, who like to lord it over us, as, as Christ forewarns in the Gospels. Um, and don't avail yourself unnecessarily or unthinkingly to, uh, to any such habits. Be very careful about that. So, with those fair warnings. I like it. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. We'll see you time. next time.